Hey everybody, thanks for joining me today. I am Jason Powell and this is Coach's Spot uh, where we're just gonna go over coaching systems, coaching everything. But today's guest is Will Smith, not the one you're thinking of. No. It's a different one. Uh, <laughs> we've never had that before. Yeah, right. Will and I have known each other how many years? Oh man, it's 2025. Yeah, it's gotta be a long time. Yeah, but tool, tool to count. Yep. Quick story, we were at a party when we were 21, and we're standing in the front yard, and we both have a beer in our hand, and a cop walks up, and we're the only two in the front yard. And he asks if we're of age, and we told him, yeah, of course we are. And he goes, well, can I see some ID? And neither one of us had ID. And he goes, well, what's your name? And Will goes, Will Smith. And he looks at me, and he goes, what's your name? I said, DJ Jazzy Jeff. <laughs> Still, still works today. <laughs> still works today. Still today. People still think that's funny. But today we're going to kind of go over, I think, the difference in culture for coaching youth athletes in the Texas area. Like, just how different the culture is. Because I grew up in a much different culture than you. Right. Because I grew up in, in Illinois and Minnesota, which for wrestling was top of the game. Right. But for every other sport... Even though Chicago has well, Chicago and Washington D.C. have the most NFL players, which I didn't know that. Really, I didn't yeah. know that either. Mm -hmm. Which I think a lot of that comes from inner cities, and you'd think University of Illinois would be spectacular, right. but Lovey obviously can't recruit inside <laughs> Chicago for some reason. But yeah, Washington D.C. and Chicago, Illinois, for professional athletes, I think. Well, I think once they. And once they graduate from high school, they leave because it's too cold there, man. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I think, every, well, a lot of those players end up, especially Chicago and Washington, D.C., They a lot of them go to college in Ohio State, yeah. but then I, Georgia, Florida, Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. So, and Will and I are both, I, we totally didn't even talk about talking about this, but I would say we're kind of, are, we kind of fanboy more over coaches than we do players absolutely i mean mike ditka you know i'm a big oh. illinois guy so ditka buddy ryan but then nick saban stoops oh, um yeah. absolutely i think in every sport i think you see certain coaches that they dusty baker have, <laughs> not dusty baker. <laughs> probably not dusty baker but certain coaches that they kind of just create a style and you know there's other coaches that learn from them and they're just kind of uh, icons Right. And so, but not Dusty Baker. <laughs> well, and for background on me, I've coached, I've coached boxing and wrestling, but my main sport is gymnastics, which is obviously not mainstream and it's girl gymnastics. So female gymnastics, which people usually do that. They usually laugh and well, I'm like, until you see a practice. Yeah, I and then, say, <laughs> I, say, I, I think, and I, I tell people this now because my background has been in football and baseball and things like that. But until I saw the very first workout that you guys did, I thought it was, you know, just a walk in the park. And, and, and since then, that's probably the most difficult workout regimen I've ever seen in my entire life. Well, you know, what's funny is my, uh, my trainer, my personal trainer who owns the, uh, gym that I lift at, well, until this happened, but he came, I asked him to come out and take a look at my conditioning to see if there was any holes in it. Like he's, he's, he obviously has a kinesiology degree and everything else. And he's a really good trainer. I mean, he, 
I took kinesiology too. I can't name one muscle in the body besides a hamstring and a quad and a bicep. <laughs> like I don't, I didn't, I memorized stuff right before the test and then forgot it. No, right. he knows like every detail and he's very good. And he came in and watched a practice and he watched him first. He watched him condition yeah. and he was like, Oh my Lord, I can't believe those little girls are that strong. And then it's funny because it morphed because when he first got there, he said little girls. And then by the end, he's like, these athletes are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> They're unbelievable. And then he watched me spot and everything. And he's like, wow, you do a lot more than I thought you did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. But for me, I mean, Texas is, is the upper echelon for almost every sport now. Absolutely. Even even wrestling and hockey are getting there yeah. in this area. Well, it was in the Stanley Cup. They had their first Plano Rays kid. Yeah, win the Stanley Cup in Tampa Bay. Uh, this yeah, year. so it's it's coming everything. I think for a lot of reasons. Uh, one being just the fact that you know we've got so many people in the area and the weather's great, so you can play sports year round. And yeah, you know a lot of people have a lot of money, so if you've got a lot of money, you yeah. can play a lot of sports. Well, and I think I think that also lends itself to we have a lot of retired athletes here too. Absolutely, and they add to the coaching. I know what made gymnastics great here was when uh, Woga and Valeri Lukin moved here. It made everybody that much better because right. first it was Houston because it was Bella Caroli, right? And then and then Woga moved in, and then you had all those great Olympians from them. But it made everybody step up their game, yeah. Because it was either step up your game or get left behind, right? Because there aren't there's quite a few recent uh, Olympians gymnastics, especially in the female side, that are from the area, right? Well, yeah. I mean, Simone Biles is from Houston, right? And then the funny thing is most people only know about the Olympians, uh -huh. but national team members, all that stuff. I mean, there's so many here. There's, a, there's some from the East, a lot from California, but I would still say Texas is number, number one, like they are in most sports. It's right. crazy. But if they're going to come and train, they're coming typically to come and train in this area. Yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, I know that there's certain gyms in the area that, uh, well, the gym I'm at right now actually is what has been rated I think two years ago, one of the number one programs in the country. But then you have Texas Dreams and Capel, okay. which something like 65% of their athletes move from other states just to train there. Yeah. I mean, Woga was the same way. Yeah. But you have guys, that, how about with football? I mean, right. I mean, when we were in our young 20s, that was when that whole Salina thing went down. Wasn't that <laughs> where they had people like... <laughs> well, I can tell you personally, as far as Salina goes, I mean, Salina had a phenomenal program, and obviously their their coach, uh, G.A. Moore, you know, he's a Texas Hall of Famer. Yeah. But, you know, I you know I coached in Plano, Plano Senior High. Yeah. It has two schools, Plano East and Plano West as well. But, you know, it, it was a smaller school, but they won multiple state championships. In fact, I think they're tied with a couple other schools with the most state championships, but yeah. they have a reputation. <laughs> um, we'll just leave it at that because obviously I wasn't physically there, <laughs> but I can tell you that it's pretty well known that they would go and um, to go to some of the larger schools and say, hey, you know, you can always go and play at the JV level or the freshman level, or you can come out here and start as a freshman or a sophomore. And uh, there was a couple of state championships that they're half their starting offensive line. I taught elementary PE in Plano. <laughs> um, and they just somehow miraculously they ended up in Salina. Yeah, just 30 minutes up yeah. the road. And, but they didn't happen to live in Salina. They just had a, like a P.O. box. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy the length. That, I mean, North Texas has been voted more than once the number one place to raise a youth athlete. Right. 
And that's with, and that has nothing to do with the cheating that we were just talking about or alleged (laughs) Alleged. cheating, but you know, it just, it's, there's a competitiveness. Oh yeah. And this is what I can speak to because I've coached in other States Mm -hmm. and you know, I grew up in Illinois where I was a wrestler, mainly a wrestler. I mean, I played football and stuff, but there was no, I think what the, the wrestling program is what you have here for everybody for every sport and that's grassroots Mm -hmm. that you have in North Texas. The only thing we had grassroots in, in Illinois was wrestling because that's what they, they prided themselves on. It was the same way in Minnesota, but I went, I've coached in Illinois, Minnesota and Mississippi. I've coached gymnastics from day one, the acceptance of mediocrity in those States compared to here. Where there's just no accepting mediocrity here. People are just like, no, we have to do better. My son's baseball team. Yeah. He's eight years old. It was coach's <laughs> pitch. Okay. So he's eight now. He was seven. They won the championship two years ago, went undefeated. They were pretty much undefeated last year. And then with COVID and everything, yeah. a select team just moved into the McKinney League mm-hmm. or the P, I can't remember what league he's in, but. And just moved in, right? This select league, and they, it looked like adults playing with seven-year-olds. Okay. Yeah. I mean, th- at the first game, I think we were down sixteen to three, and we had won every game like sixteen to four. Right. I right. mean, and we scored the most runs against them. Like, so we were still <laughs> number one in the league if you took that select team out. And I mean, the other coaches were flipping out. They're like, yeah. "Why is the select team allowed to do this?" And they were a select travel team, oh, wow. and there were seven. That's insane. They practiced five days a week. <laughs> like if they didn't have games, they practiced. It was, I'm like, there's seven. Cause yeah. they asked my son to be on uh, the gym I used to be at. They asked him to be on the team there, right. gymnastics team. And I'm like, no, I'm not gonna make him choose. Cause he loves baseball. Right. And I didn't, if he did, gymna- he wanted to be on the gymnastics team, but he wouldn't be able to do baseball wow. because it's four nights a week. And it's, you know, gymnastics, I think, more than any other sport starts really early even boys start a little later but they still have a lot of time dedicated to it because his his baseball team still only practices once a week okay so luckily we have spectacular coaches Mm -hmm. i actually had him on my other podcast one of the coaches and he's unbelievable human being and he's a great coach but and there it is there that's a city program Mm -hmm. my my kid's seven years old and his his coach played in college and is unbelievable drills for skills kind of guy. Right. And he's got these kids just smashing the ball. I mean, they pretty much picked one thing they were going to do well, and we were going to start with batting. Right. And they're at that age. That's where you need to start. Sure. And that's where they started. And the only team that could out really out hit them was that select team. And they did lose to another team that at the beginning of the season, we had beat like 16 to one. And then all of a sudden they had all these different kids on their team by the end of the season. (laughs) Turns out one of the coaches worked at an establishment. It was D-Bat and (laughs) brought in all these other kids. And all of a sudden they were awesome. They had facial hair. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They had their birth certificate. I I am seven, I seven. Yeah. Um, written in crayon. Yeah, exactly. They're drinking on the mound. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave it us to come up with a bench warmers reference. Exactly. But, but even there, it's so. And they're they're undefeated this year too. Sure. And they just went to kid pitch, which is painful oh, to yeah. watch. Oh, yeah. And my my son's terrified of getting hit by the ball. Oh, terrified. Yeah. 
and he'll just he, as soon as that kid comes up to pitch, my son's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. So and which I'm is normal, but it's just amazing the level of coaching. And this is we just lucked into this team, right? But the level of coaching when I go to their when I go to their practices, I've only been once or twice, but it's stations, it's mm-hmm. drills, it's from here to here to here to here. Oh, yeah. This is what you're doing. This is how it is. And it's organized. And they're really positive, awesome coaches. Right. But they still keep that level of discipline and they just keep it moving. And I'm like, these guys are seven. Right. And they're getting invaluable coaching at seven. It looks like a spring training camp. Right. Yeah. You know, you go to you go to an Illinois Little League practice. Mm-hmm. It's kids running around. Kids they're out the outfield chasing bunch yeah, of chasing, chasing and picking dandelions and chasing each other with the baseball bat trying to hit them. Right. And the coach is like, hey, get back over here. Get back <laughs> over here. You know, it's just... I don't know why the culture in North Texas just lends itself to that. And it's at every sport. Absolutely. I think it kind of comes down to um, a state identity. Because we always yeah. think of Texas as this, almost we kind of isolate ourselves as here's Absolutely. the other 49 states yeah. and here's Texas. Right. And every town in Texas wants to think that they're the best town in Texas. <laughs> like, That's true. This Especially, like it's funny, um, just the other day we were talking with one of our sons about Prosper. Yeah. You know, Prosper is now, what, 40,000, 50,000 people. Yeah, and it's a gorgeous city. Absolutely. It's yeah. growing. It's beautiful. The Amenities. Yeah. 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 When I was in high school, Prosper was the same Cornfield. size. Yeah, it was 1,000 people. <laughs> Just like the town I grew up in, Blue Ridge, 1,000 mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And I still have the same attitude about this little 1,000 people town. Yeah. I hate Prosper. <laughs> I know it, it's not even the same town. Right. And so Nikki's talking about, you know, what do you think about Prosper? I'm like, I hate it. I was like, it's not even the same place. Yeah. Because I have this cultural identity. It's like, they were our adversaries. Yeah. They were our enemy. And I can name 20 other towns yep. that 25 years ago... McKinney were, and Frisco. Yeah. They were our rivals. Yeah. And so every town has that competitive nature that we're the best, they're the worst. Right. And where do you find the competition? In your sports. Yeah. That's the only place you can find out where can you weigh yourself about another town. Well, you can talk about businesses, you can talk about jobs and stuff like that. Yeah. But where do you get to compete? You compete in sports. Yeah, so it's you've, got, true. you've got to be the best at it. And right. You can't find out five years later. You can't yeah. find out 10 years later because by that point in time, your kids probably aren't playing sports anymore. You got to find out with your kids playing right now. Yeah. They've got to be better right now. And if they can't, well, next year, we've got to be better. Well, and that and with the standardized testing in the state, too. Oh, they yeah. all they all do that, too. Absolutely. They're all like, oh, our standardized testing was better than so and so and so. And it's like, you can't even prosper yeah. McKinney, Frisco, Plano. The school districts are unbelievable. Absolutely. Allen, it doesn't matter They're which one you go schools. to. They're all phenomenal. Yeah, and we're blue ribbon, but oh, I'm an ultra blue ribbon. <laughs> I'm sparkly blue ribbon. <laughs> right. You know. So and then where do they where do they break up that tie? Sports. Absolutely. Sports. And yeah. so we have to be better. We have to have the biggest indoor facility. We have yeah. to have the biggest weight room. We have yep. to have the coolest looking uniforms. We have to have a $6 million yeah. football facility. It's like, you know, Allen and McKinney's, and I'm a big proponent of this. I have no problem because obviously right. it's being paid for other ways, the revenue stream that it comes in. But you're seeing $50, $60 million stadiums being yeah. built and people lose their mind about it. But, you know, what is a $20 million stadium versus a $60 million stadium? What's that $40 million going to yeah. bring you? There's, yeah. But we have to be the best. You have one more Whirlpool tub. <laughs> That's it. That's you it. Know? Well, and it goes up every year. And who knows? I, those stadiums, that might change now that COVID. I don't know. I was going to say. Who knows what's going to happen? We actually went and played. Uh, my son, his freshman team, played Allen yeah. uh, two weeks ago. And we were, it's the first time I've ever actually been in the stadium. Yeah. I my jaw hit the ground. And yeah. I'm like, this is amazing. You know, I've 
And that's with a bad foundation. And exactly. <laughs> and, my, and my kid, you know, we, we go to school in Frisco. Mm-hmm. Here's the three stadiums they get to play in. The first stadium they play in is the Star. Yeah. In Frisco, yeah. where the Cowboys work out. We have meets there. Yeah. yeah. The second stadium, the backup stadium, is a Toyota Stadium. Yeah. You know, the third stadium, if they're relegated, is Memorial Stadium, which is an <laughs> is a renovated stadium. Right. Which is a phenomenal stadium. Yeah. But that's if you're, you know, you're, yeah. if you're slumming it. Right. And right. so well, they play at three phenomenal stadiums. And here I am, I walked into the Allen Eagle Stadium. I'm like, this is phenomenal. This yeah. is great. It's, it's unbelievable. And these are six, 16, 17, or 18 year old kids. Yeah. And they're, you know, but obviously if they're walking and playing on a stadium, you've got, then you've got, if it's a regular season, you've got 25,000 people and they're screaming at you. Yeah. And you can't lose. That's not, they've got signs for state championships and national championships. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, how how do you expect a 16 or 17 year old kid to keep a normal head on their shoulders if that's your expectation? Well, and I, what's crazy is it doesn't even start at that age. It starts earlier. My girls, Mm -hmm. my athletes. So we won the state championship last year, right. which in Texas for gymnastics at, at a low level, it's mm-hmm. called level four. Uh-huh. It's compulsory level. And any other state, mm-hmm. they don't even pay. It's achievement usually. Everybody gets ribbons and not yeah. in Texas, man. No, no. It's placement, baby. Yeah. And it's a big deal to win it. And we won it. And we beat a really good gym to win it. But one of my girls, we were, we were at our nemesis gym and she's competing, and she gets a 10-0 on bars, mm-hmm. which it, it was the first 10-0 of my career. Right. I've, I've always come close, yeah. but something always happened at the last. You know, they took a little oh, step yeah. or something right. happened. And I knew as soon as she threw the bar routine, it was going to be a 10-0 because I, I could tell the way the judges were going and everything else. And it's such a coveted thing in gymnastics. And I'm sitting there, and she's facing me. And the scoreboard's behind her. And I knew they were going to post it. So as soon as they posted, the judges are looking at her because they're like, ooh, how's she going to react? <laughs> and I go, hey, there's your score. Yeah. And she turns around and she looks. She goes, uh-huh. <laughs> and I go, aren't you excited? And she goes, that was the goal, wasn't it? That's what I expected. Yeah. yeah. That's, I expected a 10. Right. Like, that's their mentality. Yeah. And and I, I'm not that kind of coach. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not like, it's 10 or nothing. You yeah. know, I'm more of a... I'm, I would call myself a player's coach. Right. You know, I'm, I'm very, do the best that they can do. Right. I don't care if it beats anybody. I don't care if you're last place first, as long as you were better than you were yesterday. That's what I care about. Right. And so I was just, I was, and the judges were like, that's all we're going to get. Like the judges, they were waiting for the pop and then they were And even the crowd was kind of like, uh huh. Cause everybody knew when she threw the routine, it was a 10 0. Yeah. So, and, and, they keep track. It's uh, my meet scores online or something like that. And they mm-hmm. keep track of all the kids in the nation. And she was wow. number one kid in the nation. Yeah. And she was tied with like one other kid, I think. But I'm like, and it was just like, yeah. And I think on us as a team, vault, which is is kind of what I would say my specialty is. Mm-hmm. We were ranked 16th in the nation something like that which is a big deal right. that's a lot of gems oh uh, yeah that's a lot and that's pre-covid wow. you know this is before covid hit because we didn't even finish our optional season but and the crazy thing is i even though i'm from illinois and i was in minnesota for a lot of years which is talk about a state that is cloaked in mediocrity <laughs> <laughs> especially when it comes to sports yeah i almost think they think they're too intelligent for sports and I know this goes off what the topic I was just going to say, but here's my problem. And this is my problem with COVID right now Sure. and everything else. 
There are kids that are poets mm-hmm. and artists and musicians and geniuses. Yeah. But there are kids where sports is their life. That's their thing. That's their thing. That's good. And it shouldn't be any more discounted than someone being a poet or a writer, or this is what they do. And they recognize that in Texas. Mm -hmm. They recognize, hey, you know, and and those sports can get them medical degrees. It can get them all those other things that they want through scholarships and things like that. Right. But I think other states discount the importance of sports. I think definitely that's a, a huge case, especially when you talk about and talk about that East Coast, West Coast. Yeah. When you get to that certain mindset that they're just jocks. Yeah. You know, when I when not I, intelligent. Absolutely. Yeah. When I ran my baseball academy, you know, or when we were when I when I coached at, at Plano, um, unfortunately there were some people, some parents that thought, you know, my kid's going to make it to the major league baseball or right. play in the NFL. I have actually had some athletes that did play professional sports. Mm-hmm. However. I had a large degree of athletes that had their college scholarships paid for by sports. Right, which is huge. If you have a kid that you've, if you've ever had to write a tuition check, yeah, and you see how much that bill is, if you can have a kiddo that gets a scholarship by because of sports, yeah, why wouldn't you not uh, push right. for that? Why would you not cheer for that? Why would right. that not be a success story? Right. So why would you not push? I mean, why would you not be uh, all for that? Right. But well, yeah. and you have to keep a certain academic level. Absolutely, they're pushed to for, do that. Yeah. The, the, the liberal arts kid, if he's failing, you know, yeah. nobody's going to be concerned about that other than maybe his parents. And that's right, it. right. The, the kiddo who's on an athletic scholarship, if he's not 2.0, yeah. guess what? He's not playing. Well, and why he do you get that scholarship? University of Illinois. Why do they suck so bad? Because a lot of athletes can't get into that school. It's a top 5% yeah, school. I, say, or I think 2.0. it's 2.5% now. Yeah. Like, it's my, my wife graduated with a medical degree from University of Illinois. Right. Her brother has two PhDs from the University of Illinois. I'm like, you guys are studs because yeah. that's a school. Right. Like University of Texas the same way. Right. You don't think their football program's hurting because they're above the top 10% now? Absolutely. That's it's hurting. There's kids that can't get in Notre Dame. Absolutely. There's kids that can't get into that program. So there are plenty of unbelievably intelligent kids right. that are great athletes that I that stigma of oh they're a jock right i'll tell you what i guarantee i would put the grade point averages of my gymnasts oh, up yeah. against anybody in the country because mm-hmm. i guarantee they're all 4-0 right and i've had athletes i've had kiddos that okay you know they may not be great when it comes to you know writing a 10-page thesis paper right but if i give them a 400-page playbook yeah. And they've got to memorize, you know, routes, formations, and stuff like that. Absolutely. They can do it like that. Right. Because that's just the way their brain functions. Well, and they care about it, too. It doesn't say it engages them. And that's that. if that engages them, right. it's a positive thing. Just because they couldn't read War and Peace didn't mean that they weren't smart. Well, and they have the discipline that they could still get through War and Peace. Right. Even if they don't quite get it, right. they're going to get through it, and right. they're going to do the assignments that lead to it because right. they learn that discipline. And that's, I think, I mean, gymnastics, just for one, Gymnastics has the highest graduation rate, oh. the highest GPA, the lowest pregnancy rate um, of the female gymnast. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't look up the statistics yeah, on the male gymnast. Um, what else? The, the lowest alcoholism, lowest drug use. Yeah. I mean, it's it's unbelievable because of the amount of discipline. Well, I have no doubt you guys have them from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. and yes. not doing something. There's well, no doubt. D- I and I mentioned this. I did that on the trailer for for coach's spot. Is 
a gymnast, I'm with them more than their parents. Yeah. Because not now. I, I'm in a more, I'm in an afternoon program. But when I was in a homeschool program and I had gymnasts from 6.30 to 12.30 yeah. and then they went to school. Right. And some of them came back. My elites came back. Yeah. So they'd come back and do another two to three hours and they were still home by 6.30. Right. So they still got to have normal family dinners and things like that. But I had a parent come up to me and she's like, I had reservations because I didn't know you, you know? Right. And she's like the Mohawk, the, the <laughs> you know, all that stuff. I wasn't sure. She goes, and then I got to know you. And she's like, and I was, I was happy to let you be around my athlete for that many hours a day yeah. because I know you're also building a good human being. Right. And you got to be careful with that well, because the, the, that little, those seven-year-olds yeah. are still doing two hours a night. And they're seven. Yeah. And they're doing at least four nights a week. Well, you think about it, parents, because they, you think about the time, you think about the, the monetary investment. Yeah. There has to be a, a severe level of trust when they allow Absolutely. Their, their child. And then you see that. what they're doing. Absolutely. Especially a gymnast. Like I told you, I came to that one, <laughs> that one practice with you guys. Yeah. And it was just a warm-up that you guys were going through. And I'm like, I'm about, I would throw up after the first 30 minutes. <laughs> You know, and I, at that point in time, I thought I was in pretty good shape. Right. You know, I'm, right. I'm coaching, I'm teaching, I'm working out in my level of workout. Yeah. And you guys are just getting ready. Yeah. I'm like, no, no. Forget. Yeah, you should see the program I'm in now. Uh, they finish their warm up and they're they're drenched. Yeah. Like just sweat piling just off of them. Gassed. And they're just and that's just the warm up. Yeah. We're just getting ready. And I'm a big proponent of that. I'm a big proponent in that they condition before they work out. Yeah. Because. I think it makes them better. And then when we get to a meet and they're like, oh, we didn't have to work out before we did. This stuff's even easier. <laughs> you know, I'm a big proponent of that. People, people, you know, and you know this from knowing me, my niche was you might have more talented gymnasts than me, right. but you're not going to be in better shape. Oh, than you're not going to work. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to, you're not going to put in what we put in. No. And, and when they, when they're bound by that, those gymnasts, they learn to rely on each other because, oh, so-and-so is making it through. I can make right. it through. And they learn that. And that was just my thing. I was like, I'm not getting beat because we weren't in good enough physical condition. Well, I think that's one of the things when we've mentioned the coaches that, you know, we, we talk about Didka, Saban, all those guys. I think that's one of the biggest proponents of all those coaches is that when it came time to play, almost the game was easier than any practice that they ever had. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Because that was like, man, the game was easy. Well, especially like Buddy Ryan. Oh, man. He, he, he made Michael Singletary cry. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Michael Singletary. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about coaches like that. And, I mean, in today's day and age, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to say it was abuse or anything like that. But they, they knew their breaking point. Yeah. And in practice, and they, and they did it as a team. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter your background, your race, your last right. name, where you came no. from. They came together as a team. He would push them to their breaking point. And I'm sure it's in every sport like that. You would talk yeah. about certain guys like Bella Curley or whatever. Bear Bryant. Yeah. They pushed the, oh, the, the, when they went down to Junction. Yeah. How many guys <laughs> left Junction? Yeah. They couldn't do it. But the team that stayed pushed them to their absolute limits, found out what the limits were. Yeah. So that when it came time to go back and play, man, the game was a piece of cake. Right. You know, right. There was no problem with that. And I don't, I don't, I, you know, especially everything going on in gymnastics right now, every everything that's coming out and, and yeah. they're like, oh, they were abusive. They were 
man, that's a, that's a thin line you're walking down. Yeah. Because I guarantee, I know that you and I yeah. are not abu- abusive no. coaches. I, I know that for a fact. But I also know that our players worked for us. Absolutely. So, and they had to be pushed. I put a system together, and I find out what my girls' goals are. I'm like, okay, here's the system. Mm-hmm. If you want to be put in it, jump in. Let's go. This is what you have to do to be successful. Absolutely. And guess what? If you don't want to be, don't put the work in. Right. But I'm going to be honest when your parents come to me and say, hey, why isn't she doing better than those other girls? I oh, go, yeah. well, because she's not putting the work in. Yeah. I gave her, uh, here's the system. Put yourself in it. Let's go. Yeah. And I think a lot of coaches are like that. They're like, okay, well, the door's right there. Yeah. I, get, I don't think there'd be bowing down. And we only got a few minutes left. I shouldn't <laughs> jump into this. But uh, Oklahoma State, yeah. him wearing that. Oh, what, OPN oh, shirt? Yes. Or whatever. OAN. Yeah. yeah. OAN. And uh, then the players getting together and saying that it was racist and all this other stuff. Dude, I, I don't care if you're my best player. Yeah. Bye. See ya. You don't have to be here. You don't have to be here. And, be and if you think we're racist, if you think we're racist, sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry you had that experience. And I will be more than happy to sign your transfer papers to wherever you want to go. I think, obviously, in this day and age. And then they cut him $3 million. Yeah. I think the reality is the fact that in certain places there there comes a point where the the coach is not leading the team, the players are leading the team. Yeah. I think that and that comes to, kind of comes to the point here in North Texas. I think one of the reasons it's so successful here is that most places the coach still leads the team. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that you see here. Right. Um unfortunately in places like that and there's a reason that they overturn coaches pretty quickly. Yeah. Um or they're maybe not as successful is that the team leads the, the players lead the team. Yeah. And you can't have a, you can't, you can't have, have a, that. You can't have a team. You can't have that. No. I mean, and I I think you hit it right on the head. I think this is still a place where people respect the coach. Yeah. I know there's plenty of times, you know, my wife plays softball. Yeah. And there's plenty of times she's yelling stuff at Finn and I'm like Finn's my son. Uh and I'm like he has coaches. Shut up. <laughs> like he has people that teach him that. Right. Don't don't yell that. Oh, I'll tell you right now. Like both my sons, I have a senior and a freshman. Yeah. And I've told them, hey, specific things and as a previous high school coach. I don't agree with this. Right. But you listen to your coach. Yeah, absolutely. You respect him. It's and, his system. And you do what they say. It's his system. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's coaches in gymnastics that don't believe in conditioning. They, they believe that the workout itself is enough conditioning. And I'm like, I don't believe with that. But they have successful kids still. But I think they rely more on talent than they do on... You know, I, I still think you can make a D player into a C plus or a B player. Sure. Just with conditioning, yeah. just with hard work. I've seen it in myself because I started working out again a few years ago and I saw my physicality and my athleticism go up at 48 years old, 47 years old. And I was like, holy mackerel, that's better than when I was 30 something, <laughs> you know? And I was like, how did that happen? And it's just better training. Right. And I had I I was unlucky. I had crappy coaches. I had terrible coaches my whole life. I didn't win my first sporting event. I mean, I won wrestling matches and stuff like that, but like major sporting event till I was thirty six years old. I won a Golf Channel Stroke yeah. Play event, and I won it by a lot. And it was in Illinois. Yeah. And what was the difference between how I played that day and I was playing in the same conditions as everybody else? It was a crappy day. It was rainy. It was everybody else fell apart. I didn't fall apart. Because I learned to golf here in Texas, and I learned from good coaches. Right. And the only thing I thought that whole day was, what's my next shot? 
all these other guys are thinking about the conditions yeah, you and they're that. thinking that ball's all muddy. Do we get to lift clean in place? Do we get to, all I thought about was what's my next shot. Yeah. And I won by like 13 strokes and it was the first time I ever won anything, but it was also the first time my coaching had been here in Texas. Yeah. And even at that age, the difference is amazing. Right. Even at that age. I mean, they're still like, no, you're going to be competitive. Like, I'm going to make you better. Like, I had a golf coach yell at me and then apologize to me. He's like, you're a grown adult. I said, no, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm fine with that. That's what I wanted. It makes me better. I wanted that through my whole youth and never got it. I never got that discipline. I was just, I was good enough to be on the team, but not good enough to pay attention to. Right. Because there they coach talent again instead of the athlete. Because I believe the talent comes and goes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I've seen kids that are really talented at seven years old, and then they kind of peter out. And then I've seen kids that don't hit their prime till 12. Absolutely. You can't you can't trust puberty. You can't trust your skill no. level. Because you may be super talented at 9, 10. Yeah. Guess what? When you're 16, yeah. you're not as talented anymore. Yeah. yeah. And I've seen the exact opposite. Oh, jo- yeah. Jonathan Horton, who's a spectacular gymnast, he didn't win his first meet till he was 16 years old. There were Olympics weren't anywhere in his future. And then all of a sudden, but it was work ethic. Yeah. And, you know, he went to University of Oklahoma and he's a spec- he went to the Olympics. He's spectacular. And he's that way in business now, too. Yeah. But he didn't hit his prime. He's the first one to tell you. I didn't even win a meet. And it was a bad meet. Like it was there was barely anybody there till I was 16 years old. And he just didn't hit it. His stride till then. And some kids are like that. Some kids don't hit their stride till after. Look at the guys that are walk-ons in the NFL oh, and become yeah. stars. Absolutely. And they don't hit their prime till or mid twenties. Exactly. It happened today. I saw a few games today that right. it happened. So I mean, it's just. I always tell parents. Always ask me, you know, well, how good can they be? Right. I'm like, I'm not smart enough to tell you that. Yeah. I have no idea. I can tell you, I'm going to put the system in place to make mm-hmm. them the best they can be. Right. And then. We'll see where it goes from there because I can't, I can't tell you because yeah. I've seen girls that they walk in at five years old. I'm like, that kid's an elite. Right. And the kid walks in behind him picking their nose and trips and falls <laughs> and trips over their shoelaces. I'm like, that kid's going to barely make team. And that kid's the one that ends up being the elite. Right. I'm not smart enough. No. Because you don't know until you put him in the system. When you're talking 10 years down the road. Yeah. How can you tell that? Yeah, you can't. No. You, all life and everything else. All you can do is give them the best coaching that you can possibly. And that's what I strive for every day when I coach right. is just to be better than the people that coached me. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. what drives me. Absolutely. Yeah. You and know what, you know, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, but, uh, I guess that's a good place to end. I'm going to have to have you on again, man. Absolutely. Dude, if you could make it here every weekend, you'll be my co-host. Say when. Yeah, dude, you're more than welcome. This would, I think this would be good. Uh, I think that was good. You kind of jumped around a little bit. That's all right. But I think, to get the general idea of what the show's about, which is North Texas and keeping North Texas as good as they are. We'll get into coaching systems next time. Actually, what we specific, want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. We'll get into specific coaching systems because right. that would be interesting, I think. I think it would be to look at some of the bigger coaches and what they do. And, oh, man, can we'll talk about how bad college looks right now. Oh, my gosh. that Yeah, we can spend a full 30 minutes on that. Yeah, easily. So... Uh, thanks for coming by. Thank you, man. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, thanks everybody for listening to coach's spot. We'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. Bye.